Welcome to LifeBeat. I'm your host, Chris Gast, Right to Life of Michigan's Director of Communication and Education. Joining us today is Katherine Kinsey, our Education and Events Coordinator. Katherine, good to see you. Thank you. So that's probably, what, the fifth or sixth try to start the podcast? <laughs> and they gave you a promotion there for one director of yeah, Education and Events. Know, Congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> uh, that's how it works. I'm just going to call myself yeah. president, and, and there we go. Um, anyway, last week we talked a lot about the, or two weeks ago we talked about the bill in the United States Senate, the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act, mm -hmm. and what it would do to give additional protections to children who survive botched abortions. And uh, this issue definitely got a lot of national attention. And um, people, you can really tell when a issue kind of hits into the national media on the issue of abortion because mm -hmm. you'll see Planned Parenthood's talking points show up in everyday conversations. Right. Because that's what the media generally uses and then that's what gets filtered down um, to the people. And so I thought we'd start off with just uh, debunking some of these common myths that we heard uh, in the last few weeks about these uh, late-term abortions. I know mm -hmm. we've touched on some of them in past podcasts, but I think it's worth addressing, you know, the major ones. And probably the biggest one I've seen is this is totally unnecessary. We already have the 2002 Born Alive Infant Protection Act. Right. But, you know, like unnecessary so that doesn't mean like you need to block it like i don't get the connection there yeah yeah the first thing is yeah well if if the if the new law isn't supposed to do anything if it isn't going to do anything if it's already what we're banning is already banned then what's really the harm what's of the it point of, yeah right it. um and why wouldn't everyone why wouldn't people who care about uh you know uh a really long list of laws be the ones complaining instead of the abortion right. providers. <laughs> um, and so that's kind of one. For me, probably the most dishonest angle to that is while the 2002 Born Alive Infant Protection Act did get uh, a lot of support, you know, it passed through uh, unanimous consent uh, in the U.S. Senate, it did not receive unanimous support, and abortion organizations opposed it back in 2002. So it's real yeah. strange to see these organizations who oppose, and what the 2002 law did was defined children who survived abortions as, you know, under federal law as any other person, mm -hmm. as legal pe persons. So, um, you know, abortion supporters opposed that. Right. President Obama, in his time in the Illinois legislature, opposed that. Um, so if they posed it, why do they? Why are they saying, "Oh, well, we have this law, so we're good"? <laughs> yeah. Well, you want to get rid of this law, yeah. and if you would have, if Hillary Clinton would have been elected, and the U.S. Supreme Court could have wiped out everything, yep. including the federal Born Alive Infant Protection Act. Yeah. So again, they're like, first of all, what's what's the point of opposing it? And second of all, you oppose the original one, so. Yeah, uh, and. The, the basic facts are it, it is a different law. The new one would add some specific protections, as we've mentioned. Specifically, you have to take the child to the hospital. 
uh, and the doctor is professionally obligated to treat that child as if uh, the abortion was not the reason the child was born right. early. Um, you know, we should mark these children for death. Yeah. So, simple argument. Um, <clears throat> any other popular myths that you got? That was the biggest That's one, That's definitely I think. the biggest one that I've heard. I don't know. Yeah, some people... Um, some people seem to think that, oh, well, just the Senate and everyone, they're really confused about it. <laughs> like, they didn't want to assume that the people opposing it actually knew what they were doing. I heard that one, you know, yeah. that uh, they were just fed the talking points and then they were really confused about what the law did. And that's why they kept talking about abortion during the debate, even though this takes place after an abortion. Right. Um, <clears throat> Seen some people say that uh, the law would force uh, force children who are dying to be put in on ventilators. Yeah. Did you <laughs> read that section of the law? No. No. I so didn't I see that. I suppose where this myth comes from is well, theoretically, a preemie would could be put on a ventilator, and maybe mm -hmm. the the are their health situation dictates that. But the law just says you have to treat the child the same as you would a preemie. Right. You know, uh, it's not mandating uh, ineffective medical care. You know, uh, premature infants aren't, as far as I know, in fact, yeah. the problem probably goes the other way. They're not put on ventilators, uh, you know. Nonstop, yeah. <laughs> just, just, you know, I, I, if anything, from our experience, are much... Right. So many stories we've heard, you know, it's the opposite is the kids aren't given enough care. But nothing in the bill says that you have to, <clears throat> doctors have to perform, you know, give all measures. The problem is, the problem is just that they're being, the kids are being viewed by the abortionist as already marked for death. And so they're just declining all care, basically saying, well, the guardian's declining care. And that's right. that, you know, and the law is just trying to say, N well, no, you know, um, you know, a parent just can't have a kid who has a flu. Um, right. And not doing anything. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, you, you just can't, you know, th there's a point where a medical decision becomes negligence. And right. that's what the law is aimed at. Yeah. That's another big myth. Um, another myth is that this, uh, this bill would uh, target medical providers. Yeah. Well... <laughs> <laughs> Well, it would target abortionists. Yeah. Um, and if they got into trouble, it's because they were not giving proper care to these infants who survived botched abortions. Right. And so it would penalize abortionists because kind of implicit in that sort of myth, but it's not said openly, is that this, this is actually happens. happening. Yeah. And that's why a doctor would get into trouble. Right. Um. Another myth was uh, that, oh, children don't survive abortions. Yeah, that this just doesn't happen. Yeah, I've seen reporters say, mm -hmm. oh, that's a myth. Um, and journalists say that's a myth. Well, no. Uh, there are people who survive botched abortions. Botched abortions mm -hmm. do happen. And in late term, sometimes a child is born. And uh, these people, you can you can Google them. They have stories. Um, the the Melissa Odin is a great example. Right. She's probably one of the most well-known ones. Mm -hmm. She has her medical records available. Gianna Jessen is another known. Like, they post their medical records because people yep. don't believe it, it. But, uh, yes, that's true. 
It's a real thing. You know, abortion is not like you wave the magic wand and the baby becomes an unbaby. Right. Uh, you know, abortion is a violent procedure done often blindly, and if the mm -hmm. doctor screws up, um, then you have a, a child that's born. Right. And sometimes these children who survive botched abortions are disfigured. Yeah. Because some part of their body was crushed or cut off. Mm-hmm. Which kind of highlights the, the violence of the abortion procedure. Um, any other myths that you can think of that you heard? Um, you know, I think I've heard just people saying, you know, this is just a political stunt trying to oh, take yeah. away yeah. all these women's rights. and But, you know... Yeah, what... <laughs> so even if you believed all of those myths... How does that still take away a, a woman's right? Yeah. It, 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 it's just, yeah, it's strange. But we get that every time we write a law, it's, oh, you're just uh, you're just into politics or yeah. you're just trying you to... You just hate women. You just hate women or you're just trying to hurt uh, Democrats or, or whatever. And yeah. But you see the statistics that children are born exhibiting signs of life. Um, you see these in state reports. And uh, under the 2002 law, no one's, no one's ever been convicted right. for doing it. Um, we know what goes on. We know what happens in the abortion industry. Um, yeah. And uh, it's just, it just frustrates me that people just believe those myths. They don't, they don't look into it themselves. Um, even reporters. Right. You know. You can Google abortion survivor and find one yeah, very... Yeah, it's not that hard. Like, on the first hit. Like, should I do it right now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and journalists have access to many more sources and information than the average person does. Right. And so, you know, you shouldn't be able to defeat them by Google search right. that easily. Yeah. Well, um, you know, just a few minutes ago, we mentioned, uh, you know, abortion survivors who are disfigured in some way because of the violence of the procedure. And I think that's a good segue to talk about uh, dismemberment abortions, which is going to be kind of our organization's focus uh, in this coming year legislatively is a ban on dismemberment abortions in the state of Michigan. Um, so what is a dismemberment abortion, Catherine? Well... It's it's not pretty. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, it's not, um, you know, the, the term that the abortion industry uses for this procedure is dilation and evacuation. Um, and it's funny when you try to say, like with a partial birth abortion debate, you know, um, they said, well, that's not a medical term. The medical term is, uh, you know, dilation and extraction. Um <laughs> As if stabbing a baby in the head, you know, is an extraction. Yeah. Um, and it's really funny that they get really, they get... Nitpicky. Yeah, about medical terms. Well, you invented it. It's just yeah. an abortion industry term, and it's yeah. purposefully vague. Deceiving. Right. Yeah. For public relations purposes, you know. Mm -hmm. Can you think of other medical procedures that they have different names for uh, public Heart relations surgery. purposes? <laughs> yeah, no. You know, coronary bypass. No, no, that's a, that's a coronary, uh, <laughs> that's a coronary, um, what's a, what's a great euphemism uh, for that? Um, I don't An alternate know. road. A coronary yes. alternate road. Um, oh, <laughs> well, um, 
you can you can laugh, but it's really horrible. Uh, yeah. You know, dismemberment abortion is exactly how it sounds. The the abortionists, and this is a procedure usually done the second trimester uh, into the third trimester. Mm-hmm. The abortionist dismembers the child with a yeah. pair of grasping forceps, um, limb by limb, piece by piece. Yeah. Um, I you can probably. Use your imagination there. I would encourage you. There's a great series of videos uh, Live Action has put out where they it's not they don't show you an actual abortion. They show you a uh, I don't say a cartoon. It's like a a, diagram. Yeah, like a diagram um, of how the abortion works in a video. It's about uh, it's just a couple of minutes long. Um, It's it's narrated by Dr. Anthony Levitino, who is himself an abortionist. So he's talking about the actual procedures that he is. Uh, sadly and regretfully done in his past. Um, and that's a great way to, to get a real picture of what a dismemberment abortion is. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, that's that's not language that we invented, actually, Catherine. Oh. That is language that was used by none other than United States Supreme Court Justice, uh, retired Justice Anthony Kennedy. Okay. The swing vote <laughs> on the issue. The man who uh, made sure that Roe versus Wade was upheld. Yeah. And the man who was the, the only man that, well, I can't say the only man responsible because there's five justices, but right. basically the man responsible for keeping Roe versus Wade up. Right. So even he, who is no ally of the pro-life movement, mm-hmm. called this procedure dismemberment Yeah. and said it was, you know, quote, that was laden with the power to devalue human life. And yeah. he said this during the, uh, in the, um, Supreme Court decision, Gonzalez versus Carhartt, where they upheld the federal uh, partial birth abortion ban. Mm -hmm. And so our theory is, well, um, if the Supreme Court sees this procedure, a majority sees this procedure Mm -hmm. um, as grotesque and as inhumane as partial birth abortion, why don't we amend our state's ban on partial birth abortion and also ban dismemberment abortions, the right. D&E abortion procedure. Yeah. Um, th- now, theoretically, this court, this new Supreme Court, Anthony Kennedy was retired and was replaced by an even more conservative justice. So theoretically, there should definitely be five votes on the court who agreed that a partial birth abortion ban was constitutional. Therefore, mm-hmm. also a dismemberment abortion ban should be constitutional. Right. So just to give some people uh, some numbers on dismemberment abortions, give them an idea, um, and late-term abortions in general in Michigan. So in Michigan, there's about 25,000 abortions a year. Uh, in the most recent year, 2017, there were uh, just over 3,400 abortions in the second and third trimesters. Mm-hmm. And if you look at specifically abortions after 20 weeks of pregnancy, which is uh, a lot of the what the uh, debate on late-term abortion is focused on. Right. There were 434 abortions in the state in 2017 after 20 weeks. And so uh, 20 weeks is uh, pretty much the edge of viability, so the child mm-hmm. can survive outside the womb. And just an interesting stat we like to use, you know, sometimes people uh, who support abortion will say, well, how come you don't ever talk about gun violence? You know, gun mm-hmm. violence takes the lives of children. And that certainly does. Um, but it's just not our issue. Um, you know, we are, there were 417 uh, gun homicides in 2017 in Michigan. 
And um, so if you compare that to, you know, abortions overall, there were 25,000 abortions compared to 417 gun homicides. Right. That's, you know, why aren't the people who are concerned about gun violence also talking about abortions since there's a lot more abortions? But again, just that number after 20 weeks, there are 434 abortions after 20 weeks. So there are more late-term, after-20-week abortions in Michigan than there are gun homicides, not just children, but anyone. Yeah. In the state, um, you know, random murders, uh, gang violence, you throw it all together. And it still doesn't equal the number of abortions after 20 weeks in Michigan. So, right. I mean, that gets so much attention. And then whereas, you know, late-term abortions are said like, well, that doesn't really happen. But Yeah, or, oh, it's only such a small yeah. number after, it's only such a small number of those late-term abortions. Well... I guess it's a small percentage of the overall abortions, but because the mass, there's such a massive number of abortions, then even that small number mm-hmm. um, still compares the same way. You know, how many times have you heard in the news in the last month a story about you know, just? And I listen to the news radio in the morning in Grand yeah. Rapids. I think every week there's some sort of homicide or right. murder in West Michigan that you hear about. Um, why not hear a story for every time there's a late-term abortion? And then just one more number to quickly finish up with this discussion of dismemberment abortions. So just looking at that procedure itself, there were 1,777 uh, dismemberment abortions in Michigan in 2017. And so that is, uh, that's a large loss of life. That's a mm-hmm. large number. And so um, pretty soon, hopefully, the legislature will be taking up legislation uh, to ban it. Um, You know, we have pro-life majorities in our Michigan House and Michigan Senate. Mm -hmm. You know, the problem in the last eight years, why we couldn't get it done, was Governor Snyder, who um, kind of showed his true colors at the end. Um, But this time we have a governor who is uh, not really persuadable at all on our issues. Uh, He's very pro-abortion, who would likely veto it. Mm -hmm. Um, But in Michigan, we have other ways of overcoming a gubernatorial, uh, gubernatorial, it's a mouthful, yeah. gubernatorial <laughs> veto, yeah. and so uh, stay tuned on that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Things to come. Well, uh, so this month, as you pointed out to me today, is Women's History Month. March is Women's History Month, and yes. thought we'd talk about um, two things. So the first one is, you know, we just talked about there's so many abortions, a number of abortions. Um, there's been almost nearly 60 million abortions in the United States since 1973. Mm-hmm. And uh, half of those abortions were on women. Right. Um, so we are missing 30 million women in this country because of legalized abortion. Uh, as a woman, how does that make you feel? Not, not good. I mean, yeah, that's... Talking about women's history, I mean, that's 30 million people who didn't get to be, 30 million women alone who didn't get to be a part of that history. Yeah, Uh, and, you know, abortion's been legal so long, um, you know, a couple million of those women would be in their late 20s, in their 30s, even early 40s. And so not only do we, are we missing, you know, 30 million women whose lives were ended from abortion, but... A lot of those women would have children of their own. Yeah. And so now we have almost kind of like uh, an echo. We're missing an echo generation that was never 
that never even had an opportunity to exist. Right. So, you know, the point of Women's History Month, uh, you know, like Black History Month, is to celebrate the contributions that women make to history uh, to try to say, you know, you know, women matter, women are important, we should celebrate women. But, you know, that on this issue, it's, it's talked about as uh, a woman's issue, but, you know, half the victims of abortion are women. Right. So much, so much history missing. And I know some people say that, um, you know, when you argue about abortion, you know, it, it's not good necessarily to argue that, oh, well, you know, we could have aborted the next Einstein or the person who would invent the cure for cancer or whatnot. And there's, you know, that makes certain sense because, you know, we don't value human lives just because they might be a great doctor or a great researcher or a great musician. We value human right. life because it is human life. Mm -hmm. uh, and it doesn't matter what your future is, you still have a right to your life. Right. Um, but there's still something to be said about that is, you know, we are missing such a large chunk of our people who would have impacted the country and not, um, not necessarily, you know, in negative ways. Although that's yeah. an argument here too is, well, think of all the great criminals we've gotten rid of because of abortion. Oh, okay. You know, <laughs> kind of like, yeah, like some that's kind of... Sick pre-crime stuff. From yeah. have you ever seen the movie Minority Report? No. Okay. Yeah. Add it to the list. <laughs> <laughs> that and Gattaca are great uh, pro-life movies that don't necessarily seem pro-life, uh, but they really are. And so um, another thing that well, first of all, just about that, real quick, just wanted to mention. You know, uh, it's not really a women's issue. When you look at opinion polls women are as pro-life or pro-abortion as men are generally. Right. If you took, uh, you know, 100 women and 100 men, you'd get a, a close to 50 on each group. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so, I, I know why it's framed that way, but it's just, like, so it's many things. Yeah. yeah, the abortion supporters say, <laughs> it's just not true. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not true that that happens. You know, it, it's not true that no children survive abortions. It's not true that every woman has a late-term abortion because of a fetal abnormality or a threat right. to her health. Uh, it's not true that Planned Parenthood only does 3% of their services. Or, you know, <laughs> you could so, go on and on. <laughs> you could. You go on and on and on. They, they just love to gaslight their own supporters. Um, you know, as pro-lifers, we want to make sure our people are informed mm -hmm. of reality. You know, uh, because whatever the reality is... I'm not saying we're ignoring reality, but the fact of the matter is a human being has human rights because they're a human being. No right. amount of history or situation or whatnot uh, can overcome that. Yeah. Um, but we still want people to be aware of what the reality is. We need to address it. You mm -hmm. know, the other side, it, it's confusing people. And so when you encounter people who talk about well, abortion is women's rights, and how is how is you as a man can you speak out? And it's half the time I'll be like, well, do you want me to get my wife? Because she'll go to town on you even more than I will. Yeah. <laughs> we'll sit Catherine on you. <laughs> yep. Well, uh, one more thing I wanted to talk about um, in terms of thinking about Women's History Month and abortion is uh, the issue of uh, sex selection abortions, which you consider like a category of targeted abortions where you mm -hmm. are singling out the, the unborn child because of some characteristic or quality that you find 
that you don't want right. or that somehow disqualifies them in your mind from uh, being worthy of life. And so let's just abort them. Well, um, you know, women are a huge target of sex selection abortions. Yeah, which is just another thing that's crazy to me. Like, how how can this be framed as a women's issue? And how can so many women just be, like, so passionately for this thing that actually does harm women disproportionately? It's... Well, an equal number of women and men support yeah. it, but pretty much, yeah. Catherine. So there you go. Um, but yeah, abortion is, I've, I've heard described as the greatest tool of discrimination against women in, globally. Yeah. And that is kind of true. There are, there are tens and tens and tens of millions of women missing because in, uh, in many cultures, um, particularly uh, Asia, uh, you look at countries like China, in India, where these, uh, which happen to be the most populous nations on the planet, right. um, where where these problems are, uh, men are, or boys, if you will, are preferred over girls or women. Um, in China, that's exacerbated. Um, maybe that wouldn't maybe that wouldn't be a, a, an issue in China if um, they didn't have their one or two child policy. Mm -hmm. And so, if you as a couple only have the opportunity to have one or two children before the government comes down on you like a nuclear bomb. Uh, you know, um, forced abortions, uh, imprisonment, crippling fines. You know, mm -hmm. what they do to people who have more yeah. kids than the government allows is disgusting. Yeah. And, and so tragic. Um, and so in China, when you're facing that situation, what you do is, well, if it's a, if it's a girl, and you want at least one boy to carry on the family name or whatnot, uh, then you have an abortion. You have a sex selection abortion. You find mm -hmm. out the, the sex of the child, and then if it's a woman, that's that in yeah. a lot of cases. Which is just really sad. And um, from a purely, from standpoint of justice or equality, you'd say that's horrible, but even from a policy standpoint of a society, you know, they have so many more men than women, that's going to be a huge problem. Mm -hmm. um, it creates all sorts of its own problems down the road. Right. Um, in India, you have a problem where, I mean, they, they ban trying to find out the sex of the child, uh, you know, before birth in, in an effort to combat this, you know. Um, maybe an easier way to combat it would just be to say, no abortions, you know. Yeah. Value every human being. <laughs> and think. this problem resolves itself. Um, <laughs> Well, it doesn't entirely resolve itself, but right. um, this happens in the United States as well. Um, studies have shown, I don't, I don't think it's nearly an issue in the United States that it is, um, mm -hmm. but it certainly is an issue. And then you get into issues with, um, you know, reproductive technologies and IVF and picking and choosing children, right. you know, based on their characteristics mm -hmm. and... Sex discrimination, especially against women, is a problem happens, here sure. in the United States. So hopefully this Women's History Month, we're going to be celebrating and valuing all women, right. not just the ones uh, after birth right. or after the hospital trip home, in the case of Governor Ralph Northam and our two United States Senators. Mm -hmm. 
Well, um, just want to apologize real quick that we didn't get this out on Friday. Uh, yeah. I had pink eye, and I didn't want to give Catherine pink eye. <laughs> and so um, we didn't fulfill our promise of having a podcast uh, in two weeks. But today, I'm going to promise to you that next week, Friday, <laughs> pink eye or not, there's going to be a podcast. So join us again then. Have a wonderful week.